Well, good morning as the men receive the offering this morning. Uh, I do want to extend my welcome to you. And for those of you that are visiting for the first time today, thank you for being with us and looking forward to a great service. I appreciate the 9 o'clock service. Or on this Sunday, the service for people that like the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not fooling anybody. But thank you for being here this morning. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope you guys have a good afternoon. Nobody even really cares about the Super Bowl, but if you do, then that's, uh, that's good for you. Oh, man, it's good to be with you guys today and uh, excited about what the Lord has for us. For those of you that are visiting, make sure you come back next week as Pastor will be here and we'll be starting a new series of messages. There is probably no single issue that we can study as a church or as Christians that is more important than how to study the Bible. It is from the Bible, from the Word of God that we understand uh, how we should live, how we can interact with one another, more importantly, how we can interact with God the Father and uh, His plan for our lives, His will for us. This Christianity thing, this life thing, we make it really complicated, but it doesn't need to be complicated. It will never be easy, we know that from Scripture, but it doesn't have to be complicated. God has given us His Word, and if we'll understand it and follow it, then we'll be able to move forward, and uh, I'm looking forward to that series. But this morning, we will be in a probably familiar passage of Scripture, one verse for the most part, Joshua chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1. And in just a minute, we'll look at verse number 8, a great verse, again, one that may be familiar to you. As we begin today, though, a question, I like to start off messages with a question. Raise your hand if you have ever attempted a new job, a career, a new relationship, something that you thought was important, you attempted to have a good influence over the people around you, and yet you failed miserably. Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience. Look around. Okay, good. I've never had that experience personally, but I, I wanted to know what kind of people I was dealing with today. So um, given the folks who just raised their hand, I'll speak slow so you can follow along. <laughs> we all know what it's like to try and fail, don't we? We all know what it's like to put our best foot forward, to do our very best, to lean in, to help people, to, to get the most out of a career and all of the things in front of us, to try to be good stewards over the opportunities that we have and yet come up just a little bit short. I think we can all relate to that. It doesn't matter how old you are, what stage of life you're in, whether everyone else thinks you're successful or not, inside we all understand the feeling of trying, of pouring our lives into something and feeling like we just didn't quite make it. I think in my own life, much of what I reflect on when I think back over the course of my life up to this point is trying really hard <laughs> and feeling like it just doesn't matter that much. Success is something that we all desire, and yet so often it seems very elusive to us. We may look at a career that we love or loved at one point, but it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Parenting, one of the most difficult things you can possibly do, uh, is something that is wonderful and horrible. It's up, it's down, it's difficult, and sometimes very rewarding, but more often than not, you look at your kids and go, I wonder if anything good is happening. I hope it is, I'm trying, but how do I measure success in the life of my children, other relationships? We pour our lives into relationships. We try to do a good job of uh, bringing uh, lives together and relating to others. And again, often we, we feel like maybe we're just coming up short. We're doing something wrong or they're doing something wrong, but there's not a connection here. We look at our lives and we desire to have influence. And again, as hard as we try, as much as we communicate, the 
the best we can do, we often have to evaluate our level of influence and say, you know what, I just don't really have much. We want to be successful, we want to live in this world and make a difference, but we have to understand there is a right way to do things, but doing things the right way does not necessarily mean that there is a straight line to success. The road to success is up and down. But so often it's difficult to us, for us to evaluate whether or not we are experiencing the success that God has for us. I believe God has a plan for my life, and I believe God has a plan for your life, and I believe that in His plan He wants us to be successful. I believe that God the Father loves us, He cares for us, and as such is not happy for us when we struggle through life frustrated, wondering if we're making a difference. But the question before us this morning is this, how do we live a life of success? And guys, I'll tell you, right as we start this morning, this is a message that I need. (laughs) Uh, All week long, I've been telling my wife, I'm so excited about this message because it means so much to me. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter where you are in your life, I said this a moment ago, but uh, you may be uh, the youngest person in this room or the oldest person in this room. The things we're going to talk about this morning can be a help to you if you'll pay attention. And not because I'm delivering them, but because they come directly from the Word of God. I believe that most people live frustrated lives, feel relatively defeated, even if they put on a good front. Most of us are not as confident on the inside as we look on the outside. Those who have no relationship with God have to ask themselves the question, what is this whole thing about? And there is an answer to all of those questions found in Scripture, and I want to share this with you, and I hope you'll take some notes, I hope you'll follow along, and I hope, I pray, I believe that God will speak to you as we walk through this together. Let's pray, and we'll jump into our passage this morning. Lord, we do thank you for what we've already heard today, what we've experienced today. We thank you for the truths uh, that we found even in song this morning. We thank you for our missionaries around the world who, uh, God, you're using in an amazing way. Uh, The ups and downs of our life are ours to be sure, but sometimes we forget about what those around the world who are serving you are dealing with in their lives, and we pray that you would encourage and strengthen and help them. We think of the Lindquist family and the Ray family in China and so many other missionaries that we have the opportunity to support. I pray, God, that you would work in each life and each family and each ministry, that you would keep them safe, that you would give them guidance and direction, that you'd work in their lives. And we thank you, Father, for what you will do. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that as we go through life, we don't have to go through it blind. And I pray that you'd speak to us through the lives of the stories of the people that we'll look at today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Joshua is an amazing book of scripture. And if you're new to the Bible, read the book of Joshua. It will encourage you. It will challenge you. There are probably some things in there that will surprise you. It's an amazing book. A wonderful, wonderful story. But in order to really understand where we're going to begin this morning in verse number 8, we have to get some background. Go to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and again, some amazing stories and some surprising stories. We find a young man at the latter part of the book of Genesis, a man by the name of Joseph. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Joseph. Crazy story. 
He was a pretty good kid. He loved God and he loved his dad, but he was kind of that spoiled younger kid. You know what I'm talking about? The kid who wanted to point out the faults of all of his siblings all of the time. <laughs> Maybe you're that kid. If you don't know about that kid, you're probably that kid. <laughs> We've got a couple of those kids in my house. <laughs> But because he pointed out the faults of his older siblings all the time, they didn't like him very much, but instead of telling dad uh, what he was doing wrong or just kind of giving him a hard time, they sold him into slavery. That has not yet happened in my home. <laughs> my kids, they get mad at each other, but not one of them has ever tried to sell the other one into slavery, at least not to my knowledge. But they did with Joseph. They sold him into slavery. It's a crazy story. He ends up in Egypt. He goes through a very difficult period of time for about 10 years, ups and downs. Throughout it all, he trusts God and ends up as kind of the second in command of the nation of Egypt. It's an amazing story. Eventually, he reconnects with his family, and God brings uh, kind of a, a redemption picture into the last part of the book of Genesis. Uh, again, incredible to watch. Joseph's family moves to Egypt, and he finally has everyone together again. What a great story. Over the next several hundred years, that family that moved to Egypt grows into a nation of more than two million people. The Bible tells us that eventually there was a Pharaoh who came into power who knew not Joseph. That's what the Bible says. He didn't know the story of how they all got there. But he knew that in his nation there was this other nation of about two million people and he didn't like them, so he enslaved them, he put them to work, and began to oppress them in an extremely severe manner. For 400 years, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, uh, the Bible says that they heard not from God. They didn't hear God speak. Have you ever had that moment in your life? So much of what we learn in the Bible it relates directly to us because we can see ourselves in the types and pictures. The nation of Israel, they needed to hear from God, and yet they did not. They endured trauma and difficulty and trial. Again, can you relate to these things? There were moments where they collectively, and I would imagine individually, looked up and said, God, are you there? Do you understand what we're going through? And yet they continued to just slog it out, to live their lives, to raise their families, to do the very best that they could to get from one side to the other. But through it all, as we just sang a moment ago, they never really walked alone. Sometimes it feels like you're walking alone, but God had a really big plan. He started it in the beginning, and He was going to bring it to pass. And He raised up a man, not a perfect man, but a man by the name of Moses. You guys have heard about this guy? <laughs> he was an incredible leader. God used him in an amazing way. But it wasn't until he grew up in a weird situation. He murdered somebody. He ran and hid in the desert. Talked to God in a bush was used by God to bring the nation of Israel out of bondage and to the promised land. And then because he did something God didn't like, he was removed from the nation. In all of that, there was a guy standing by, a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua was a military leader. He was extremely intelligent, it seems from the Bible. He understood strategy and understood how to lead. And he, he believed in God and he trusted God and he loved God and he loved Moses and he served Moses and he saw God do amazing things. He would have watched as the plagues took place and watched as the Red Sea was split and watched as the water came out of the rock. All of the things that God did. He would have experienced God feeding the nation with manna. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and he believed in it at the end of the book of Joshua. He, he declares that they, the nation of Israel, can do anything they want to do 
but that he and his family would continue to worship God. He loved God. He lived for God. He wanted God to work in his life. But when we come to Joshua chapter 1, something crazy has happened. Moses has died. And Joshua apparently was scared. It doesn't always make sense, this idea of fear. Sometimes the people who you would say are the least likely to be afraid are the ones who experience fear in the greatest way because they understand what is possible. God said to Joshua, hey Joshua, Moses my servant is dead, he's gone, you're in charge now and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the promised land and I want you to start fighting and I want you to take land and I want you to establish a place for my people in the promised land. I want you to do that Joshua. And then several times, in the first several verses, God says to Joshua, be not afraid. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Joshua, I've got a plan. And and Joshua, they won't be able to stop you. Uh, I'm going before you. Don't be afraid. We start there this morning because I think that's where a lot of us live. We look at our lives and the opportunities that we have. We attempt to have good careers and good relationships and raise our kids right and influence others. And yet we're afraid because we're not sure it's all going to work out just right. In a much larger sense, this is where Joshua was living. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, don't be afraid. And then it's as if there's a conversation that happens between verses 7 and 8. It's not recorded for us here. I'm imagining a conversation happen. But a conversation like this, something along these lines, God, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not sure I can be successful in this endeavor. God, I hear what you're saying, I know what you've done, I understand the words, but I'm not sure I can find success. Here's what Joshua heard from God after that conversation between verses 7 and 8. He said, heard this from God, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here's what's crazy about this verse to me. God says to Joshua, Joshua, do you want to be successful? Then here's exactly what you need to do. And I would believe as we look at verse number 8 of Joshua chapter 1, that if the question on your heart and mind is this, I would like to be successful, then God would say to you, you want to be successful? Then here's exactly what you need to do. If all you did was read this verse and study this verse, you would have done enough. But I put together an outline to help us remember. Here's the first thing you need to do on the road to success. You need to review. You need to review. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. I just read the entire verse. I'll read a phrase. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Here's what happens. We find ourselves in a situation that we may not understand or one that has become a bit disillusioning and disappointing. It's not everything we had hoped that it would be, and we walk away from the things that are the most important. In our lives, we have to have a touchstone, something we come back to again and again and again to keep us grounded. And for Christians, that thing should be the Word of God. 
You know what you should do when you're not sure what direction you're going, when things have become a little bit confusing or a little bit fuzzy or, or not as clear as they once were? You know what you should do? The same thing God told Joshua to do. This is amazing to me. Think about this. Joshua was having a conversation with God. Have you ever wanted to just have a conversation with God? We pray, we say that's having a conversation with God, and, and certainly it is. But, but Joshua was having a back and forth with God. And you know what God told him to do? Read the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Sometimes we think, if I could just have a conversation with God, then all of this would become clear. You know what God said to the people who had a conversation with him? Go and read the Bible, and it will become clear. You know what God says to us? Go and read the Bible, and it will become clear. Now, certainly the entire canon of Scripture was not completed at the time of the conversation that God was having with Joshua, but there was enough of the Word available to Joshua that God said, if you'll meditate on this, and you'll think on this, and you'll learn on this, then eventually there will be good success. And in our lives, as we move up or down the road of success, we need to begin by reviewing God's Word. As we review God's Word, a few things happen. One of the big things that happens is we learn from the lives of people who have already traveled this road. Check this out. One of the biggest problems we have... I like when people wag their finger at you. One of the biggest challenges we have as people is that we compare ourselves to everyone else. Right? You've heard it said that when we look at other people, what we see is their highlight reel... When we look at ourselves, what we see is the blooper reel. <laughs> we know how messed up we are, but we see the good of everyone else, right? One of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible doesn't do that. Hebrews chapter 11, a great chapter. If you've never read through it, go read through it. We have called it the Faith Hall of Fame. It's full of the lives of people who God says did amazing things by faith for God. That's a pretty high bar. Here are a couple of the people that are recorded there. We just talked about one, Joseph. Joseph is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. You'll find that in verse number 22. Joseph's an amazing character in the Bible. Now, we always say God took Joseph through this process so that he could bring him into leadership in the nation of Egypt. That's kind of the official party line in church. <laughs> That's why God did it. So you just need to endure, and eventually God will bring you into leadership in whatever environment you find yourselves in. Here's the truth. We have no idea why God took 10 years and brought Joseph through that process. We don't know. We like to believe, we make application, but we don't really know. God could have done anything that he wanted to do. God could have immediately dropped Joseph into leadership in Egypt. God could have skipped the jail and skipped the imprisonment and skipped all the persecution and all the trials and all the accusations, all the stuff Joseph dealt with. God did not have to take him through that to drop him into leadership in Egypt, but God chose to. Here's the point as we look at the life of Joseph. The line to success on the road that God has set before us is not a straight line. And it does not look the same for any two people. So when you compare yourself to someone else, you're comparing yourself in a way that is unfair both to them and to you. God will do in your life what God chooses to do in your life, and we don't always have it all figured out. There's another man recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 11. Moses, we just talked about him a minute ago. A man God used, a man God used amazingly, incredibly, and a tremendous leader, and yet he was a murderer who was found hiding in the desert, avoiding God, led God's people, and then was punished 
for rebelling against the word of God. And yet, Hebrews records him as a success in the eyes of God. One of the great stories in the Bible is the story of a lady by the name of Rahab, also found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. You can look at verse 31. She is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was used in an amazing way by God. She brought security and preservation to the nation of Israel at a very key point. And yet the Bible records for us that she was a harlot. She was not what we call a virtuous woman. She had a past, and yet God used her. Here's the point. The the road of success is not a straight line. And what we view as success and what we say is successful is not necessarily the same way that God views success. We could jump to the New Testament. We find a couple of great examples. A man by the name of Peter. He had a relationship with Christ. It was an up-and-down relationship. Eventually, he'd be used to bring uh, this amazing revival really the beginning of the Christian movement as we know it today. Yet he was a man that denied Jesus Christ. A man that ran away at the moment that his Savior needed him. God restored him. There was redemption found. He preached an amazing message, and then another amazing message, and he led in an amazing way, and then he got into some trouble because of some things that he said. And then although God continued to use him, he he fades off the scene a little bit. He was extremely successful, and yet the end of his life, we're not even sure exactly what happened. You see, success looks different from person to person. Your success and someone else's success will not look exactly the same. And the road to success will have ups, and it will have downs, it will have highs, and it will have lows. Your success is different than everyone else's. The Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest author we have in the Word of God in the New Testament, God, through the Holy Spirit, worked through the Apostle Paul to pen most of what we know about Christianity. What we believe about Christianity, what we believe about having a relationship with God, uh, for the most part, came through the writings of the Apostle Paul. But this was a man who persecuted Christians. We could make a case that he murdered, or at least facilitated the murdering of Christians. And yet, God used him in an amazing way after his conversion. But the life of the Apostle Paul, the successful Christian, ended when his head was removed from his body. Does that seem like success? (laughs) And yet, God used him. The road to success is not a straight line. It's different for every person. We must get away from the mindset that success has a particular look. Uh, Parents, because this is on my mind a lot, because I have kids. (laughs) Someday I won't have kids. Well, hopefully I'll have kids, but they'll be, you know, out there. But I won't have kids in the house, and maybe my context will be different. But I think about parenting. I have wonderful kids, but I know what it's like at home to parent kids, my kids. And I look at other people parenting their kids, and I think, man, they're doing an amazing job. And I look at my own frailties, raising my kids, my own challenges with my own kids, and it can become discouraging. Not because of my kids, but because of me. Because we think that in parenting, success has a particular look. In our careers, we can 
view it the same way. In the area of influence, we all want to have influence. We all want to encourage people. We all want to help people become better versions of themselves. We all want that. And yet we look at other people and say, that's success, and what I have is certainly not success. We've got to get out of this mindset that says success looks a particular way. It's a mindset that keeps us from moving forward for God. We learn from Scripture that there are people who were successful but didn't necessarily look the way we would define success, but we also understand that it is God's Word that tells us how to live. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Romans 15, 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. If you need hope, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Word of God is given to us by God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit working through human authors to show us how we should live and show us the direction that we should go. Before we can find success, we need to review God's Word. It is in God's Word that we understand that it is Him who gets to define success and not us. This is a revolutionary concept often because we live in a world that demands conformity to its definition of success. The world demands conformity to its definition of success. And yet the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It is God's definition of success that should matter in our lives, not the arbitrary ramblings of those around us. Everything changes and everything makes sense when we finally settle the understanding that success comes from God. First, we need to review. Number two, we must define if you've heard me preach, I often come back to a definition. I think so much of our struggle in our lives is that we just don't have a good definition. It, everything's really kind of obscure. We need to define success. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, again, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Here's the next phrase. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. <laughs> it's not just knowing stuff. It's knowing it so that you can do it, but you can't do it if you don't know what it is. Our definition of success is absolutely essential. I'd like to give you one that I came up with, but I'm not that smart. So I'll use one that I go back to again and again and again and again. Dr. Charles Stanley, if you're familiar with him, wrote a book on success many years ago. I think probably 20 years ago someone gave me this book. There's a definition in there that I have not been able to get away with, uh, away from since I read it. He says this, success, it's up on the screen, is the continuing achievement of becoming the person God wants you to be and accomplishing the goals God has helped you set. Guys, you get a hold of that? That changes most conversations in your life your career conversations, your parenting conversations, your relationship conversations, your, your relationship with God conversations, your, how you're going to influence other conversations. When you get hold of this, 
This is something we can all do. This is not measured by a bank account or stuff or influence or power. It's measured by our ability to continue pursuing God. Success is not a quantity that can be measured or a concept that can be fully defined. Listen to me. It is a concept embedded in a process. Success is establishing and accomplishing and forever seeking to establish and accomplish the God-given goals He sets for our lives. You know what's missing here? (laughs) Comparison to other people. You know what's missing here? Arbitrary cultural definitions of success. You know what's missing here? Social media handles. (laughs) Where we can feel bad because other people have it all figured out and we don't. You know what this is? This is a definition that speaks back to Scripture that says, hey, you know what God cares about? Having a relationship with Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I love this verse. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's boil it all down. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. What am I supposed to do, God? This is so confusing. (laughs) This is so challenging. I just don't know. There's there's so much information coming my way. What should I do? Uh, The author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who had done everything and seen everything, the wisest man who ever lived, he said, let me boil it all down for you. Know what God says, and then just do that. And if you've done that, you've fulfilled your duty. Romans chapter 12, New Testament says this, Paul speaking says, I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what Paul said? He said, look, I did some bad stuff. I've done some good stuff. This thing's probably not going to end real well for me. But none of it matters. You know why? Because my whole job, my whole duty, my whole responsibility, my whole metric of success is submitting myself to God's plan for my life. That's it. How much pressure would that remove if you get a hold of that truth? Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, in a much larger context, this verse says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know what God ultimately expects from each one of us? Is that we would be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And yet culture screams at us, the world screams at us, the people around us scream at us, you must do this, it must look like that, Uh, this has to happen, or you're not a success. And yet God would say, no, success is in simply knowing what I want you to do, and then doing it. God understands that success is not a straight line. There's downs as much as there are ups, and hopefully more ups than downs. But it's up, and it's down, and it's up, and it's down. But when you look back over the road of your life, the average should be, I fell down, and I got up, and I walked for God for a while, and then I messed up again, but I got up and continued on. I pursued God. That's success. It's not about perfection. It's not about conformity. It's about living the life that God has set before you. Here's another question. If you see the definition of success as being a growing conformity to Christ, what would change in your life? 
if you viewed the definition of success as being a growing conformity to Christ, here's the question you have to answer. What would change in your life? We must review. We need to define. Here's the final one this morning. I love this. We need to rest. <laughs> we need to rest. If I'm being honest with you, one of the things I worry about a lot is whether or not I'm doing in my life what I should be doing in my life. I, I worry about whether or not I'm working hard enough and trying hard enough and doing enough and producing enough and all those same things you guys probably worry about. But when I understand that success is measured by God, and success really defined is, is me walking with Him and, and living a life that He would desire for me to live and pursuing the goals that He set before me. If I'm doing that then I can rest in Him. Check this out. Look at the end of verse number 8 of Joshua chapter 1. He says all the things that we just looked at, and he concludes this way, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Success is not up to you. Not up to me. Not some math problem that we can figure out, and if we do one plus one plus one, it will equal three. I got confused there for a second. I, one plus one plus one, and then that's three. <laughs> Don't do math problems in front of people. You'll always fall short, even if they're simple ones. We like equations, though. We like to put these things together and go, if I'll just do this, 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 and this, it will equal that. Here's what God said. If you learn from me, read my word, if you meditate on it, you study it, you do what it says, <laughs> then you will be successful. You know what I think God is saying to us? I think he's saying, chill out. Calm down. Joshua, at this moment of his life, was clearly pretty worked up. God, how is this possible? And God said, have courage, have courage, have courage, relax, you'll have success. And then verse 9, he says again, be courageous. God's saying, look, Joshua, just do what I said, and you will find success. And God says to you and me, just do what I said, and you will find success. You can rest. It's a great story in Luke chapter 10. It's a story of two ladies, sisters, Mary and Martha. You might be familiar with the story. As is often the case, these sisters were completely opposite of one another. One was super high strung, and one was the opposite of super high strung. <laughs> Mary, Mary uh, or Martha rather, wanted everything to be right all of the time, and, and she was real obsessive compulsive and, and ordered everything, and she would tell people what to do, and, and super organizer person, and Jesus came to her house, and she wanted everything to be right, and she got really upset at her sister who just wanted to spend time with Jesus. So Martha went and complained to Jesus <laughs> about her sister wanting to spend time with Jesus. And Jesus said to Martha in verse 41 of Luke chapter 10, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. I think that's where a lot of us live. Verse 42, but one thing is needful. There's only one thing you need to do. And Mary, she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus said, Martha, 
Relax. The only thing you actually need to do is rest in me. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Do you feel as though every day of your life is just another day on the wheel, just running as fast as you can and getting nowhere? You look at those areas of your life that you are engaged, whether it's career, parenting, or relationships, or simply trying to influence others, and you'd have to conclude, I'm just not sure I've had success in any of these areas. So you work harder, you try harder, or you just give in to the frustration and the disappointment and the defeat. That's not what God desires for you. God would say, what you need to do is review my word. I understand there are a lot of people who have done a lot of good things, but the line was never straight. It never looks the same from one person to the next. Understand that in my word, you'll find exactly what I want for you to do. Understand that I created you. And success is defined not by you or anyone else, but by me. If I could say it this way, I think that God would communicate to us this morning. Let yourself off the hook. And rest in Christ. Pursue Him with all of your heart and take Him at His word when He says that you will have good success. A career that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Parenting that experiences the trials and tribulations, the ups and the downs. Christian life that is so contrary, so opposed to the rest of the world. The influence uh, that I desire to have and feel as though I come up short. There's a right way to do things, but the right way does not mean that there will be a straight line to success. Success is not defined by the arbitrary numbers that society or family or our own securities thrust upon us. We need to do the very best that we can with the resources that God places into our hand, but we need to understand, while managing God's resources, that Christ did not die so that you could have more stuff or more leverage or more power, or some arbitrary definition of success. Christ died so that you could have a relationship with Him. And in that relationship, you find His definition of success. Perhaps you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you wonder why in all of your pursuits, even though you might might have found some level of success, it comes up empty. Here's why. Because you were created by God to have a relationship with Him. If you've never entered into that relationship, it will always be uh, something that you get to and realize it's really empty, it's hollow, because success is not in stuff. Success is in having that relationship with Him. Perhaps you're a Christian this morning, and you've gotten pulled off track, and you pursued things that would be defined as success by the world, and yet pulls you away from a relationship with God. It will always be hollow. It will always be empty. You will experience frustration. Why? (laughs) Because what God really wants from you is for you to pursue Him, and His will for your life. Success, as Dr. Stanley shares with us, is the continuing achievement of becoming the person God wants you to be and accomplishing the goals God has helped you set. Take the pressure off of yourself. 
Stop comparing yourself and live in the victory and peace that comes from our Creator's road to success. Let's pray together. God, we thank You that You define what success really looks like. I would imagine that throughout history this has always been a challenge, but we live in a day and age where comparison and cultural definitions of success and all of these things, they're, they're thrust on us, they're pushed on us. They're so hard to get away from. They're everywhere that we turn. I think most of us want to be successful in our lives, in our careers, as parents, in our relationships, in the influence that we have over other people, we would desire success. But if we're honest, uh, many of us would say we struggle with understanding if we've really accomplished anything, if we are uh, living a life of success. God, I pray that we would remember that you sent your son to die in our place on the cross, to pay the price for our sins so that we could have a relationship with you. That's the very most important thing to you as it relates to us. Success will never look the same from one person to the next. There's not a straight line. But when we define success as pursuing you and the things that you've set in front of us, God, so much of the pressure comes off of us as we come to your word, as we meditate in it, we review it, we understand it so that we can do it. And then we rest in the promise that if we'll do what you have asked us to do, we will have lived a successful life. God, I pray for the folks that are here this morning. I pray that you would encourage each person sitting here today with this truth. It's all about you. Heads bowed and eyes closed.